Well, it's been good to be here in God's house this morning at Porchlight Baptist Church. Glad to have those that are with us, those watching online. Enjoyed all the good singing. You pray for me as I try to preach today. My sinuses are giving me a fit. This one ear stopped up, the other one's ringing, and my nose feels like there's a rope in it. So <laughs> I can't, I'm having trouble with it, but you pray for me as I try to preach. We're going to be in Romans chapter 15 this morning. Romans chapter 15, as we continue our studies in rooting through Romans Bible sermon series. This will be part number 51. And after this, I believe there's only 39 verses left in this entire book. And uh, we'll be through it here in just a few weeks. Uh, we started in October of 2020 in this study. So it'll be almost two years that we've been studying in the book of Romans. But Romans chapter 15 and starting with verse 14, we'll go ahead and read our text. The Bible says, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Alerusium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Please help us as we try to preach. May we give you the honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last time we looked at these the verses up there above, these verses 8 through 13, and it spoke about how Christ is for all men. And remember, this church is made up of Jews and Gentiles alike, a lot of Gentiles there, it being the capital city of Rome. Rome. Romans, that's what the, who the book is written to, the believers in Rome. Uh, we looked heavily about the Old Testament passages of Scripture, which prophesied that the Lord would reveal himself to the Gentiles. Uh, there would be a light uh, shine on the Gentiles. And so he always had a plan to include Gentiles in his plan of salvation, even though Jesus came here, as the Bible tells us, for the Jew. Uh, so starting here in verse 14, Paul is bringing his letter to a close. He's through with the, the doctrine, the theology, and, and things like that. Now he's winding down. He's explaining a few things. He's going to explain to these readers of his letter why he was so bold in his writing. He said some things that probably offended some of these people. He was very forthright in his letter, and he wants to re reiterate his calling to the Gentiles so that they will support him in his missionary journey. Now, I want to remind you again, this letter is written to, it says in Romans 1 and 7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, it is written to the saints in Rome. You could say, 
uh, the saved people in Rome. You could say those believers in Christ in Rome, or you could say the church in Rome. Now, as, as far as we know, there was no uh, specific building they met in that they would call the church. Uh, they met in homes in that day and time, and they met in Jewish synagogues in many occasions. Uh, however, there was not like a, a building like we think of today when somebody says, what church do you go to? The first thing in our mind is some building that sits on a road somewhere with a name on it. Uh, of course, we meet in our home uh, as of right now. To the Lord uh, gives us a building to meet in, we're meeting in our home. And so, uh, but the, the church is actually the body of believers that makes up the church. It's not the building that you're in. Uh, so this letter was written to believers in Rome or the church at Rome. Now, at the time Paul had wrote this letter, he had never been there. As far as we know, the Bible doesn't mention it. We know he greatly desired to go there. He mentioned it several times. Uh, in this letter, at the beginning and at the end, he again tells them that his plan is to come there. Uh, Paul did not start this church. He did not pastor this church. Uh, he knew a few of the members there, but he didn't know probably the majority of the members there. Yet he was inspired by God to write them a letter. And there's a good reason for it. And we've, we've looked at all these things he's, he's told them about, which they knew, by the way. It wasn't new news to them. These people understood. I mean, Priscilla and Aquila were there. They had a great understanding of the things of the Lord and uh, how the New Testament church should operate. So they they knew these things, but Paul was driving it home. He was reminding them and assuring that they stay on the right track. And so God inspired him to write this letter. So look at our first verse, verse 14. It says, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. See that? Filled with all knowledge. So he knows they're filled with knowledge. Able also to admonish one another. And so, just as Paul had mentioned in, in chapter 1, the church at Rome was known for their faithfulness. It's known to be a good church. Paul said this in Romans 1 and 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, that, of course, being the, the modern world that they would know of it. Uh, this wouldn't include, like, the Americas or anything like that. It would include that, that portion of the world that they were familiar with. Uh, but he says they're known. their faith is known throughout all the world. So it's a good church. Um, this was a strong church, and it was doctrinally sound as far as we can tell. That's why Paul stated what he did there in verse 14. He says they were full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. That word admonish means to warn and to caution or gently rebuke. He said, so I know you have the ability to do that. You have that kind of understanding because you have all the knowledge. And so Paul speaks very highly of this church. He wants them to know that. He wants them to understand that he wasn't talking down to them in this letter. His, his wording a lot of it was very bold, but he wasn't, he wasn't uh, uh, being mean-spirited toward them. But he wanted them to know why he was doing it. And so look at verse 15. Nevertheless, brethren. So, Nevertheless, even though I know that you're doctrinally sound, I know that you have all knowledge, I know you're able to admonish one another, nevertheless, I have written more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. Now, where he says that, putting you in mind, what that means is to remind you, 
to make sure you have it right there on the forefront of your remembrance. Now, as you know from our studies over these past two years in the book of Romans, Paul covered a lot of very deep things, the deep things of God, personal subjects, and he held nothing back. He wasn't an ear tickler and a back scratcher. He was a, he let them have it, buddy. Uh, some of the things Paul wrote about probably ruffled some feathers. There was probably people in that church that were very knowledgeable in the things of God, and they probably read that letter and said, who in the world does he think he is writing to us like that? What gives him the right to be so bold and write these things to us? And so he states the reason he did it was to put putting it you in mind. And so they knew the truth. They were known to be faithful. However, we want to remind them of the importance of remaining in the truth so that they did not stumble. And that is one thing that we need today. As believers today, we need to keep in remembrance the things of God and, and not let those things get on the back burner and out of our thoughts uh, because when we do that, we start straying. If you'll keep the things of God in the forefront of your thoughts, it will prevent you from, from looking more toward the world for answers and the world for comfort and the world for uh, knowledge. You see, if you keep the things of God in your mind, you think, well, where do I need to get, where can I find the information that I need? Oh, the Word of God, because I remember what was written and not, oh, this guy's book he just wrote or this, this uh, personality or or star, or whoever you're looking up to. And so we all need to keep the things of God in our remembrance. Now, if you do remember, he had covered a lot of things that were very controversial, such as in chapter 6 when he wrote this, Romans 6, 12 through 13. He said, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And so that right there probably stung a few people. They probably thought, well, who, what, what does he think we're up to over here? You know, what, what in the world is he writing this for? In chapter 8, Romans 8, 7 through 9, he says, Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And again, somebody might say, really, Paul? <laughs> Don't you think we know that? I mean, just what are you trying to say? Most church members would have thought Paul was being mean-spirited. Now that's what people today, if a preacher gets up and, and preaches boldly, it starts saying what God says. They claim that he's mean-spirited. He's mean-spirited. All they want to hear is cotton candy and sugar sticks preached from behind the pulpit. And so uh, what gives Paul the right to speak to them this way? What, what gives him the right? And so he tells them. He states it in the last part, verse 15. He said, because of the grace that is given to me of God. In plainer terms, because what I'm doing, what I wrote, is God's will. He is the one guiding me to tell you this. And so the preaching of the gospel is the most important thing in Paul's life. Uh, he wasn't in the ministry to make friends. He wasn't trying to get on the cover of Christian Times Magazine or, or whatever you know people are looking at. He was all about the Father's business, much like the Lord Jesus Christ who came here not to do his own will, but the will of the Father is what the Bible tells us. And so Paul would ruffle feathers along the way. 
in all these miles and miles of journeys and missions and places that he went, he would ruffle feathers and he would hurt feelings because he did want, not want to impede the progress of the gospel. And so if you study Paul's life, you'll quickly find everywhere he went, every time he preached, every letter he wrote was bold, bold. And so we all know his boldness before he was saved. I mean, he was, what, breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the, those that were in the way, the Christians. And uh, instead of focusing all of his boldness on his hatred toward Christians, after he was saved, all of his focus was on spreading the gospel. And he became very, very vocal and very, very bold in his preaching. Uh, listen to what the Bible says. This is the very beginning of his ministry, right after he was saved, Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 31. The Bible says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly, at Damascus in the name of Jesus. His first sermons were bold as he preached there in Damascus right after being saved. Verse 28, And he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So Paul's very beginning of his ministry was marked as being bold. Now that's what Barnabas told the disciples. And all the disciples were afraid. That's what the Bible said. They were afraid to let Paul join them. They didn't believe he was a changed man. They, they knew him as Saul of Tarsus. They knew him as that persecutor and prosecutor. And they said, no, we're not going to have anything to do with this guy. There's no way that uh, he's going to be preaching the gospel with us. And Barnes says, look, guys, I've heard him preach. This man stands up boldly and lets it go uh, everywhere he goes. We need more preachers like Paul. We need more men to stop thinking they're running for a pastor popularity contest, which many of them seem to be these days. They will do and say anything to please those that are in the pew. Listen, if you're not pleased with my preaching, take it up with the Lord. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And if you don't like it, then there's churches all over this place that you can go and listen to what you want to hear. If you want to hear Cotton Candy and Sugar Sticks, I can point you to several churches right here in Corrington, Tennessee, that you can go and sit and hear that. Uh, it will do you no good. And so, listen, people become offended whenever a preacher preaches the cold, hard truth. But we need, I understand we preach the truth in love. There's no need to be mean-spirited and, and all that and call people names and everything like that. I don't believe in that kind of preaching. That's harsh preaching. I do believe in bold and hard preaching, though. And I believe that means that you're preaching what the Word of God says. And so it doesn't matter if somebody's been a Christian for four months, a month, 50 years. We all need to be reminded of the truth. And sometimes that truth stomps on our toes. Sometimes that truth ruffles our feathers. And sometimes that truth uh, gets the pastor where he's not very popular. And that's, that's okay. I'm not trying to be popular. Verse 16. 
that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And so Paul goes on to state his calling. And that calling is, as the Bible tells us, is to be a preacher unto the Gentiles. Yes, he preached unto the Jews as well. That's usually the first place he went. As his manner was, he went to the synagogue on the days and when they were there, and he would preach, and some would believe, some would re most would reject. And then after they run him off, he'd go to the Gentiles and, and keep preaching. And so that's why Paul became a missionary in all these foreign lands, these pagan lands. He didn't focus the ministry that God gave him around Jerusalem and Judea and all those cities there where all the apostles were and where Jesus had been. No, his focus was on foreign lands, places where he knew that those Gentiles lived and no one had ever come to share the gospel. And so he, he sought those places. Of course, we know he waited for the Holy Spirit to direct him. We know at times he would, what was he was in Troas, waiting for the Holy Spirit to guide him until the man from Macedonia appeared to him in a vision and, and took him that way. And so Paul ventured out into places where most people would not dare to go. Uh, so Paul needs for this church to understand what his mission is and get behind it and support him. His plan is to stop off there on his way to Spain. That's, his, that's his, in his mind to go to Spain. And he, he wants to stop off in Rome on his way there and meet with these believers and, and fellowship with them and, and things. And so he wants their support. Look at verse 17. It says, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. Now again, this shows that Paul isn't doing this for his own glory. If there's anybody in the Bible that you can matter-of-factly state did not do anything to get glory, it's Paul. He never did anything to magnify himself or exalt himself or to be put on a pedestal. He's doing it all for the glory of God. And so uh, that word glory, as it's used right here, it means boasting is what it means. So he says, I have, there, uh, therefore, whereof I may boast through Jesus Christ and brag. That's what, that's what that word implies. And so he's careful to inform them that if he brags about anything, it's not about himself or what he's done, but he's bragging on what the Lord Jesus has done. And he says those things which pertain to God. Uh, many men in Paul's position would glorify themselves. They would want to make sure everybody knew all their accomplishments. There's men that do that. Sometimes you can read some of these uh, revival uh, flyers and things, and they'll put down uh, the, the revival preachers, all of his accomplishments. Oh, they'll just list it, list it, list it, list it, just say all kinds of things about what this guy's done. You know, I don't care nothing about all that. I just want to know what he's going to be preaching. Is he going to be preaching out of the Bible? And is it a King James? <laughs> you know, if he's not, I'm not going to be there. But listen, it doesn't matter what we've done. We can't boast in ourselves. If there's any boasting to be done, it's in the Lord Jesus. And so that's what Paul states about him. Now, Paul made sure that he informed all of his churches of this, that he's not in it for the money. He's not in it for the fame, the fortune, the the um, whatever he's not in it for that and just for example in the for the church of corinthians in first corinthians 1 29 through 31 paul says that no flesh should glory in his presence 
But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glorify in the Lord. You see that? Paul said here that it was God who made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. We didn't do that. Did any of you do that for yourself? No. But there's some men today would make you think that they did. Paul says, if you're going to glorify anything, you glory in the Lord. He said this in his second letter to that church. 2 Corinthians 10, 12-13. For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. But we will not boast of the things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. Paul was giving a stinging rebuke to these preachers that were running around that day, boasting about themselves, comparing themselves to themselves. Did you see, that's what Paul said. He said they were measuring themselves by themselves. So one man, he has this ministry he's in, and he's looking at this other guy in his ministry, and he's comparing what he's doing to that guy. And he's saying, well, I'm doing a lot better than that guy. We're supporting more missionaries than that guy. We've got more money than that guy's got, and that church has got. And Paul said, all this, this is foolishness. They're not wise. Those that do that. Listen, if you're going to measure anything, you measure the things that God has distributed to us, is what he says. A measure to reach even unto you. Over the church in Galatia, he said this in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. You see that? Paul, and that's a strong statement, God forbid. May it not be so. May you strike me down dead if I glory in myself instead of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm going to glory, Paul says, it's going to be in the cross of Christ. We sing that song sometimes, I will glory in the cross. That's where that's from. Listen, we must be very careful. If you work in the ministry, if you do things for the Lord, do not allow yourselves to ever start thinking that it's got anything to do with you. Anything that you've done. If you've done anything great, if anything's accomplished, it's because the Lord enabled you to do it. He gave you the gifts. He gave you the abilities. He, he's the one that's done it. And so if any good is accomplished, it's because God did it and we should glorify him. All right, look at verse 18. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Again, another strong statement up there in Galatians. He said, God forbid that I glory. And then here he says, I will not dare to speak of those things which Christ hath not wrought. So if, if it wasn't of Christ, there is no way I would not dare to speak on anything like that. I'm just speaking on what Christ has done. Again, he stresses this fact that these things that were done, they were wrought by Christ and not himself. Now, lesser men would have exalted themselves. Paul had a, I mean, this ministry that the Lord had enabled him to have, it was like none other. I mean, he was the end-all, be-all of gospel preachers. Uh, he would never tell you that. 
But that's what the rest of the, the preachers and the, and the churches and everybody would say. Paul. Paul's coming to your church. Paul's going to be preaching for you guys. Oh, man, I wish I could come. Yeah. He, he was it when you thought of the mystery, but a lot of men would have bragged. They would have boasted, and they'd say, well, we had. And, and it's a lot like reading Twitter on a Sunday uh, evening after some of these preachers decided to tweet about, the pews were packed, the parking lot was overflowing, we had so many people, we had to put out chairs. I mean, they go on and on and on and on. Well, good for you. Good for you. Uh, I'm not going to brag about anything. I can preach to two people or one person or I can preach to a million. I don't care. It's all the same to me. I'm not going to change a single thing. Uh, but listen, some people, they refer to the ministry they're in as their ministry. There's this one guy, he uh, he called me one time and he knew that I knew how to um, to do websites. I knew how to set them up and all this. And he says, Brother Byrne, I need a website for my ministry. I was like, really? And, uh, yeah. And he kept saying, I, I did this and I did that and I'm doing it and all that stuff. Never mentioned really, you know, anything about the Lord or, or how he's wanting to help and all this stuff, but it's all about him. And, uh, I compiled a bunch of stuff and just emailed it to him and I, I didn't really want to be involved with it. And so I just sent it off to him and said, there you, you go. The, if you'll follow that, you can probably get something set up. Uh, I'm very careful not to ever refer to what Lord the Lord has enabled me to do, preaching, teaching, singing, whatever it may be, as my ministry. It's not my ministry. It's the Lord's ministry. I work in the gospel ministry. And I know for a fact I can't do anything on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough. I don't understand the Bible enough to be able to preach and teach the way that I need to do. If it wasn't for the Lord illuminating the scripture, I couldn't tell you a thing. It would be no good. For me. I might as well get a Dr. Seuss book up here and start reading out of it. Look, uh, I'm not a public speaker. I'm not polished. I can barely look people in the eye. Uh, that's the way I am. I've always been that way. But when the Lord, the Lord allows me, he enables me to be able to stand and preach. And so don't ever try to glorify yourself. If you sing, if you play an instrument, uh, teach a Sunday school class, whatever it is, make sure that you, you understand that all those things God's enabled you to do. And if anything good comes out of it, don't go around bragging about what you've done. I was able to... To grow that class. And I've heard these preachers, I grew that church. Oh, really? Well, if you grew it, it's, it's going to be a disaster. Uh, unless God builds a church, it's for nothing. And so, uh, be very careful on that. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about, I Lyrison, I don't know how to say that word. I'm not a scholar. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So Paul mentions these mighty signs and wonders. Um, these were performed among the Gentiles. This is how God used Paul in many places for 10 years. At the point he wrote this, he'd been in traveling for 10 years up and down through the world, around 2,000 miles back and forth from Jerusalem there into this place that I can't pronounce, 
but I looked up on the map and it's it's about a two thousand round mile trip is what it was. Uh, he traveled more places than most men will ever see in their entire life, and he did it by foot and by boat. He didn't have a, a car or an airplane or a train or uh, an Uber driver to get from place to place. Uh, but he went all over this world. The average preacher will never physically preach outside of his own city. Uh, other than publishing our sermons on Sermon Audio and being all over the world that way, I'm the same way. I've never preached outside of uh, Tennessee. I've never, I, I, that I'm aware of, I don't think I have. And so my ministry, most of the time I've been pastoring. So I've been at churches uh, here in, in Knoxville and Corton. And so uh, most men will not be all over the world. I greatly admire those men that God has called to be missionaries. I, you know, I admire what they do, and I love it, and I support it, and I wouldn't take anything for it. But I am thankful that is not what God's called me to do. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful for those men. Look at verse 20. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundations. I like that, what Paul said. He's like, look, guys, I've strived to preach where uh, the gospel where Christ has uh, uh, not been named. No preacher's been there before. I don't want to build on some other man's preaching. I don't want to go and build a, on another man's foundation, somebody that's already established something there in some city. I'm not going to go there and preach because they've already heard preaching. I'm going to go to that place where nobody's ever heard the gospel. That's what Paul was seeking out. So his mission was to reach the unreached. And he went to places that most men would not dare to go. The average man in Paul's day would not dare to travel in places he went. It was dangerous. I mean, there were robbers, there were thieves, there were uh, uh, murderers. There were people all over the place. And, you know, we think about it being a desolate place because it was so long ago. No, it was very populated in those cities. And there were, uh, it was crime-ridden in some places. Paul went into those places. He said, I know nobody's come in here to preach the gospel. I'm going right in there. I always loved it when they'd run Paul off and, and he would come back. That always amazed me. If somebody runs me off somewhere, I'll never see him again. <laughs> but one place where they, they stoned him and left him outside the city for dead, and Paul got up and went back in. <laughs> uh, but uh, speaking on building another man's foundation, there's a funny story I want to tell you about. We'll, we'll finish here in just a minute. But this is a funny story I read about uh, from uh, Chuck Swindoll, I believe it was. And uh, I'll read it to you. He says, years ago, Harold Akinja was the pastor of Park Street Church in Boston, and Donald Barnhouse was pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. Now, Donald Barnhouse, I've heard of a lot. I read a lot of his material and sermons and things. Uh, this other man, Harold Akinja, I'm, I'm not familiar with. I know he was a, a popular preacher evangelist during the same time that Barnhouse was. Uh, but uh, it goes on to say they were good friends. So they decided to do a tour together during which they would preach nightly. One night, one would go first, and the next night, the other would go first. Akinga brought a different message every night. But Barnhouse brought the same message night after night after boring night. So on their last night, Akinga, who had memorized every word of Bar Barnhouse's sermon, delivered his friend's message word, perfect, uh, message word perfectly. Same introduction, illustrations, conclusion, everything. 
when it was Barnhouse's turn, he said nothing about it. He simply stood up to preach and brought a completely different message. Afterward, when the lights were dimmed and they walked out together, Akinga said, they kind of liked your sermon I preached tonight, didn't they? Barnhouse replied, not as much as when I preached it here two months ago. Oh, <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be something? And see, Paul didn't want to build on another man's foundation. He didn't want to go where some bells already preached, uh, you know? So he's going to new places that's been unexplored with the gospel. All right, verse 21. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. Now, don't let that confuse you. It looks kind of like a riddle. Uh, but what Paul's doing, he's referring to a prophecy that was written in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 52 and 15. It says, So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had not heard shall they consider. Now, we know this is speaking of the, of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in, in latter days, but uh, he would be revealed to the Gentiles. Uh, you see, as we said at the beginning, the Lord was sent here for the Jew to be the Savior of Israel. However, just as we just read right there in Isaiah, the plan was also to include the Gentiles. Those whom uh, had not been told them shall they see. So the Gentiles had, had not heard the gospel, but they shall see. That which they had not heard shall they consider. So they're going to hear it. Uh, Paul was that chosen vessel in the New Testament to be the one to shine the light on the Gentiles. Now many more men preached as well, we know, to the Gentiles. Uh, but Paul, being the main instrument that God used, that we read about in the Bible, that God specifically called out to be a preacher unto the Gentiles. And I'm thankful for that. I am a Gentile. I am not a Jew. Uh, I've done all the genealogy and tracing and everything. None of my family, there's no Jewish blood there, as far as I can find. Uh, we're Scots-Irish. We come from Scotland and Ireland. and uh, That's where we're from. And I'm thankful that the Lord also included us in that plan of salvation. All right, 